I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. Welcome back to the Mutant Ages, where we watch every X-Men adaptation ever. Is that what we say now? Because we're doing animated and live action franchises? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. Because it was widely requested. And also mm-hmm. because I really wanted to watch the first X-Men movie on this show. On the show. Live. Yeah. Oh, well, we could do that, too. <laughs> oh, I don't Make know. it a Patreon special. I'd rather, I'd rather watch it and like take some time to analyze it, but... Yeah. yeah. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X Men and the mutant brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book pages to the It's got we, it's got characters in it like Wolverine and Jean Grey and Did Storm. you seriously just stop and say <laughs> it's got characters in it like Wolverine? Yeah. I think people know that if they listen to the show, they might not know that. They might be a I completely new listener who they doesn't may, even know what the X Men is. Yeah, they're are. just supporters of us, or they just saw it pop on their feed and they're like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" And then they mm-hmm. clicked on it and they're like, "Oh." They're wow. really cool. Actually, they're, they're probably like, they're terrible. <laughs> no, they love us already because we're endearing and because they like the X-Men just like us. Or they That's don't. True. I don't know. Anyway, the point is we've been watching every animated adaptation of the X-Men and we're almost at the end of the first season of, of X-Men, X-Men the Animated, the animated series. series. And joining us today is a half-naked Wolverine action figure that I have. I can't see that. Well, but I trust you, know, you that it's there. Believe me that it's there. And for some reason, like, it really just has to be close to me today. It's like helping me. It's like a teddy bear. Is Wolverine <laughs> okay. a bear? Does he count as a bear? I don't know. Anyway, I don't. I don't you know better than I do. I mean, I guess he's hairy and short, but I mean, like, I don't even know what Being really counts. short isn't a requirement. Even I, I know that. You know, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> I just want to date Wolverine. The end. All right. Let's do this show because Senator Kelly is dead. Senator Kelly is dead. Or is he? I mean, this is Days of Future Past Part Two. Which which variation? You know what? Spoilers. I mean, is it a spoiler? Like, I mean, in the last episode. All right, let's do this. So previously on the X Men, Bishop, dun dun. a character in the future, is working for the Sentinels who have taken over the entire planet, and he and Wolverine fight, and he captures Wolverine, and then Sentinels that he's working for turns against him because Bishop is also a mutant. So then Bishop. Because this makes no fucking sense. Suddenly, instantly after, becomes a rebel yeah. along with Wolverine, and also and Wolverine, decides that he's going to travel back in time instead of Wolverine. Stop the assassination of the nineties. That's all yep. we get. And he goes the assassination back, of the nineties. We don't know who gets assassinated. Like the but, entire decade. He's just there's somebody assassinated the entire decade, and nobody remembers it at all. There's no more nineties <laughs> parties. They're gone. Speaking of not remembering things, Bishop goes back to the past, meets all the X Men, but can't remember why he got sent back there. And the entire episode last week was Bishop not remembering what the assassination of the 90s was or who did it until the very end of the episode which landed on a cliffhanger of gambit walking into the room bishop recognizing him as the assassin
Hamilton. That's right. And pointing his gun at, at Gambit and then firing straight into the camera and then cut to black. And he shoots down the cameraman. Mm-hmm. The, the camera is dead, dead now. And, but that, that animated cameraman I mean, he may, is he dead. He may have like forgotten who these people are, but he, he has remembered how to board a bus with a gun and drive the bus into the X-Mansion. And he's also remembers nimrod because this is a villain named nimrod that's a, a good point he actually does remember nimrod why does he remember nimrod but you know, he doesn't remember like who knows because who there's the already assassin there's is? plot holes in this episode but he does remember nimrod the evil alfie 80s robot that comes from the future painted pink now to chase everybody and destroy them and they just send it back into the future and hope that yeah, all is well. i mean they defeat nimrod i don't know if that even matters but sure that's in there that, too i think that sums up what happens right and yeah. now we're going to part two of this. And this is a this is this has a lot going on in it. Like so did the last one. But this has like a lot of characters and a lot of plot points. But it's pretty good. I, it, yeah, really enjoyed I this felt one. like it made more internal sense than last time. I did. Part one. I feel like they're. I mean, and the they show... even kind of glossed over some of the plot holes of part one, which we can get to. Like, they kind of simplified some things. They did. It was to the point where I know there's showrunners on the show because you can't have a show without them. But it got to the point that I was wondering if, like, these two teams writing these, like, like somebody write part one, part two, if they talked to each other Well, that's at all. our theory. Like, that's our running theory just based on having done this show because we feel like there's... W- widely disparate teams working on sets of episodes because it's been relatively consistently every other episode seems kind of weak and then the other episodes seem like better edited sure yeah i I think it's more like there's some episodes that have better writing than the others and the ones that have less better writing they also decided to quickly animate on and like just cut corners all around yeah i almost feel like last week the writing was good, but I, I think maybe the editing was what was bad because like there were weird prop, whatever. We don't need to get into you might, it. You can listen to the last episode. Uh, <laughs> you probably should because we did Days of Future Past part one and this is part two. So like maybe start there so or welcome. maybe don't. Who cares? Welcome to part two. Jump right in. Jump so off the diving this board. This episode kicks off with Gambit and Rogue driving down the street. And this is actually a flashback, although we don't learn well, that right away. technically, but we'll yeah. get to that. So they're driving dangerously around some corners on a cliffside. You know, all the cliffs mm, in Rogue New York City. Rogue is the one driving. Yeah. And, and this well, is like... Well, they're in upstate New York. I don't know. It, it looks exactly like the cliffside. It seems like they're in the Appalachian Mountains. I'm yeah. not sure, but they're <laughs> driving crazily and Gambit's like... Learn how to drive. A rogue's like, I drove in the south and this is how I drive here, which apparently isn't to other cars. And eventually they pull up to the X Mansion, which is just around this mountain cliff. So it's like, I just imagine like somebody the being X back Mansion in the- just buried in a cliffside. No, sure, but I was thinking more like the X Mansion is sitting there and you just have like B stand and be like, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> and like, you know, then Rogue comes around with Gambit and they're both in the South and they're like, we're coming around the mountain when we come. I mean, you know, they've done that. They don't yeah. do that in this episode, but like, you know, when Beast is home and he's not in jail, he totally does that. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that, it would be him or Nightcrawler, who is not a main character on the show for some reason. So Beast has to do it. Beast has to start the sing along. I mean, anyway, he would. So, the Gambit the is hitting on Rogue and she gets kind of annoyed. I He's basically joking about teaching her to drive and then he kind of follows it up with like, a, I could teach you a lot of things, Cher. And yeah. she's like, oh, you're just hitting on me again and that's making me uncomfortable. So I'm going to slam the door and angrily walk inside without you. And he's yeah. like, I parked the car. Don't worry. <laughs> I love that. Passive aggressive. I love that he's it's great. Also, what he says, 
He goes, I could teach you some other things, too. Mm -hmm. Rogue says, don't you get tired of listening to yourself talk? And Gambit's yeah. like, not when I'm talking about you, Sherry. I mean, I love I love that Rogue just is not having Gambit at all so far. She just cannot stand him. I mean, <laughs> but they also keep hanging out. You say out. that, but she still seems kind of into him. Like, she did drive him to visit Beast with her. Like, she could have just gone by herself. Yeah. I'm not saying she, like... I'm just saying I think she plays along like this right. isn't a situation where I'm like, wow, Gambit like really won't take no for an answer from this girl. It's still like playful. You know what I mean? No, you're like, totally it doesn't, right. It doesn't it's like, like a cat bother and mouse me. thing. I, I'm into it. I feel like it's it's on both sides because like Rogue's a flirt, too. So that's right. why it doesn't bother me that Gambit is like doing this with her. Sure. You know? uh, so anyway. then we cut back to the meeting room at the X mansion. And mm -hmm. for the last episode, we, they were all talking to Bishop and Bishop saying there's a traitor among them. Uh, yeah, and, and they then don't know who it is and they all have a dark side. So it could be any one of them. It could be any of them. It could be especially Jubilee. And so <laughs> then, you the know, the darkest Rogue, one of them all. I know she's so dark and gritty. Well, she is a fucking vampire now. With, you know. Well, yeah, but this iteration of her is like a fun loving teenager. Yeah, anyway, the, one, the version so we Rogue like. Is walking down the hallway and kind of overhearing this I was gonna conversation. Say, turns out they were stand. She was standing there the whole time listening to them. So you know, in well, the last at least episode, she hears, she hears this last snippet. She's not getting like a ton of information, but like more than we thought she had. So yeah. when she walks in and says the same lines that we just saw her say in the previous episode, well, she's it, like, "Hi, I'm here. Who's that hot fella?" It's kind of interesting because it it makes it clear that her being flirtatious is like a persona. Because yeah. when we see her walking down the hall she like looks scared and sad and and i was like oh wow rogue's like thinking about her own dark side in this moment and then she kind of like wipes that away and walks in and does her sexy rogue thing yeah and it, it's like neat to see that you know the last time i saw anything like that interestingly enough was in that shitty suicide squad movie where harley quinn did yeah. the same thing that's what made yeah. me think of it i was like oh that's that's good I, I mean it is good it was the only good part of that whole movie but you know I mean, that movie has, like, good actors in it, which is what makes it so sad. But anyway, that's not what this show is about. No, nope, um, it is not. We're in a different universe. We're in the Marvel universe. And also, universe. this was an explanation for why Gambit came in later than Rogue. Apparently, he had to park the car. This is why I think Rogue was standing out that door a lot longer is because, like, he went to park the car. And, yeah, and, like, what, she would, like, walk down the hall, like, walk in, and then Gambit suddenly is right there. I'm like, dude, that's not enough time. So she must have been standing there listening yeah but you're right and then she comes in and she did we get to see them both do their like sexy thing again yeah. where they both come in they're like oh hey and they like lean against the wall sexually like one by one i enjoyed uh, seeing it again but then i didn't enjoy watching bishop shoot the camera not once but two more times i was I like know. okay excellent the animated series i get it you're like really trying to lean on the cliffhanger of whether bishop is killing gambit Dude, i also but we all know he's not really gonna kill gambit you like, know it's funny because i also wrote that as a note i said bishop shoots gambit rogue blocks it or no sorry right we get to see bishop try to shoot someone for a third fucking time that's what i wrote <laughs> like yeah I, I like i just jumped to the next thing okay well now that i spoiled that bishop immediately tries to shoot gambit but rogue blocks it and everybody just kind of stands there except for jubilee who again uses her no gene gene stops it too gene uses her oh, telekinesis right. Right. to prevent right. like basically all the women in the room use their powers except yeah. storm but yeah well, storm like, the storm, dudes just stand there imagine like, if storm Bleh? conjured a fucking storm in the that tiny that room she'd be, like she'd just like monologuing while everybody basically, like, like blows all into the, the women wall. who have powers that they can use 
in this scenario spring into action and all the men stand there and are like we don't know what to do there's yeah, a gun seriously and then jubilee i love this because jubilee turns around and she's like gambit's one of us and i'm like jubilee didn't did you already forget everything that happened on slave island that you were like really bad about yeah because i he, don't think she has forgotten about it but i think she still like is a kid and wants to trust the adults around her yeah. even though gambit is like a sketchy guy i don't know i still thought it was in character but i get what you're saying i mean i think jubilee in general probably is like i mean obviously she is sort of like the sidekick to wolverine but then I see her being able to relate to characters like Gambit because her and Gambit are both like they're misfits within their own group. You know what I mean? They they will live on the streets if they need to. Yeah. So. And I feel like a lot of Jubilee's characterization in this makes more sense if you just assume it's her comic book characterization, even though right. that's not really what it is. But no. if you just assume that she was like a homeless teenager who was living in a mall for a while who and like stealing food, then her alliances with Wolverine and sometimes Gambit make more sense, like yeah. her emotional alliances and I, I, I with them. I think that's what I mean. Like they they do pull this from the comics, but like the telling of all this is like super weird. And like I think later iterations of not this show, but like, you know, x-men evolution and wolverine and the x-men do a better job of retelling that universe instead of trying to make it sort of uh, like compacting Kid stories and like well, no, fast, they, what yeah. they do is they just try and like literally take the comic book and compact it into 20 minutes where later iterations they just retell stories in a different universe which i think works better i mean um, that's true but i also think that like jubilee's backstory in the comics was just probably considered too dark to actually use because like the pilot true. episode of this show is great but it's she at least still has foster parents. Yeah, I like in how it. you're saying like it might be too dark to use, but the pilot of the episode involved like killing one of the X-Men. I mean, it's really sad, but I feel like having your main character be a teen girl who's literally homeless is sadder. <laughs> I mean, that's true. That's true. Anyway, so, coming yeah. back to the scene, because we're getting sidetracked by Jubilee. Who wouldn't? Mm -hmm. Jubilee's great. Rogue, she is. Rogue's just standing there. She's like, I hate to be rude, but will somebody tell me what the fuck is going on? <laughs> she doesn't say that, but I wish she did. I mean, I really <laughs> did. And, and Xavier just goes, oh, he's a time traveler. That's all he gives. Like, and Gambit's just... Fucking uh, Xavier. I know, but I love that Gambit sort of hops onto the Wolverine bandwagon here. He's like, and I'm the queen of France. That's, That's the, the best kind of lie. One can't nobody prove. I, I love that. that. Line. I loved it. That's why I was like, Gambit's good in this. And then Bishop starts screaming that he's just like, you're a liar, traitor. Because of him, the whole world is going to be enslaved. The X-Men are going to die. It starts with a single death in Washington, D.C. And then mm -hmm. Bishop suddenly remembers that the assassin is Gambit. Like, he just says, like, it was well, Gambit all the Well, he already remembered that as soon as he saw Gambit. Yeah, I know. I know. And so, but, but he just like suddenly starts freaking out again. I don't know. And then Wolverine hops in to grab Bishop's arm and call him rookie 12 more times. And oh I'm just my like, God. Why is Wolverine calling this complete stranger rookie? Like, I'm willing to get on board with it, but I'm also completely baffled. Well, this, by we're it. not quite there yet, but the, the sexual tension gets high between everyone immediately after a scene for the rest of the episode. So, first of all, Bishop is like telling his story. And so we see things like we see that somebody of political power dies. We see that. That, like there's yeah a we coffin. see like a flash forward to bishop's future right and there's a coffin at the white house and it's covered right. in the american and it's flag one of those, like yeah it's a coffin that's covered in the american flag which is like something you would only do for a political leader of some kind and right. so we're kind of like is it the president like who is it and so um, and then they see that the sentinel program goes back on and they're hunting down mutants we see cyclops with his brother havoc who makes the camo shooting people we see sunfire 
who's mm-hmm. like trying and, to fight and off. And Bishop is like doing a voiceover explaining this stuff to Gambit who and Rogue who missed all of it. Right before. Now, now this. So this whole thing is where it got a little too real to me. Yeah, I know. Current <laughs> politics. OK, so basically what he says after this is that he's like, so because this person of political power died, it was blamed on a mutant. Of where assuming let's just assume it, it was senator kelly here because like the assassination it is, is senator yeah. kelly so because, i mean we're spoiling it for you they don't reveal it here but it is senator yeah kelly. so senator kelly is running this anti-mutant campaign and because a mutant kills him they decided to go ahead with the sentinel program which they used to they they basically use this this bigoted asshole he becomes like a martyr for their right. cause like because a mutant killed this bigoted senator uh everybody else in society is like see mutants are evil and other bigoted people in political power are able to capitalize on that right and, be and it's like, specifically giving like the sentinels if sentinels were people like giving the sentinels the authorization to go and hunt down like people of color mutants, mutants but then eventually everyone but, but then then once when they do that they don't have anything else to control so then they try to, to use those people that they uh, have now given power to to control everyone in general yeah. and that's where everything goes wrong because then the the sentinels eventually just stop listening to anything altogether and take over right. the planet I mean, it's like sort of a military coup of sorts where yeah. like the sentinel i mean again it's sci-fi it's like about like you know these robots becoming too powerful but like if you sort of extrapolate it out to our world then it's like yeah, a military we, we, coup. we have a political section if you're new to the show and we'll be diving <laughs> right into that because i i had to pause this episode right here and i i think i messaged you and i was like this this is a little too close to home right now and this was like 20 years ago so i know but um, I mean, a lot of this stuff is based on, I mean, we can talk about it in politics, but it's like, it's based on existing histories of stuff like this happening, you know? Well, I'm glad that so. we don't pay attention to history books and we're just doing it all again, because why not? It's fine. Anyway, back to a lighthearted show where right. Gambit so, and Wolverine and Bishop are fucking each yeah, other. Yeah, okay, I love the part where Bishop is still screaming that he'll never trust Gambit, and Wolverine's <laughs> just standing there like... Oh no, my boyfriends are fighting. <laughs> I know. Wolverine's just like holding Bishop's arm for some reason, which I already pointed out, but I I was just like, what's happening right like, now? He's just like, stroking his arm and like blowing Wolverine, into his ear a little bit. Wolverine is just like having a weird time where he like kind of remi- kind of thinks that he and Bishop are gonna be friends in the future, but also kind of doesn't believe it. And he's just like, like he looks down at his dick and he's like, Bob is twitching like I should be fucking this guy. <laughs> and he just goes with that impulse you I know mean, like i if, guess that's a good if you impulse think for that him. somebody's gonna be your boyfriend in the future why not just go ahead and capitalize on it <laughs> but meanwhile gambit is also like a perennial flame of wolverine so like right. that's a huge emotional pull for him sure it's just a lot wolverine's going through a lot wolverine this just like has too many boyfriends and girlfriends um anyway so uh, professor xavier finally says so if we stop the assassination does this mean we can prevent this future and bishop's like well, that's the theory that this other mutant forge had. Is if we go back in time, we could stop yeah, it from happening and, and fix the future. Work. But then I love how like Professor X is like, "Well, who does he kill?" And Bishop's like, "I don't know." And Xavier's <laughs> like, "It's probably me." And I was I like, know. "I'm like, because it's all about fucking you, Xavier." There's like know, no reason Xavier for it to like, be you. I'm going to Washington D.C. next week for an important conference. I know, but he's that also I'm like doing, and it'll probably be me who's it was assassinated. Probably me gonna be assassinated because everyone knows who i am for being a pro mutant person and it's like nobody knows who you are dude because you're running like a tiny vigilante group that nobody's heard of yet so nobody also, knows who like, you are why the fuck would his assassination lead whatever 
whatever. It was just dumb. And then it was. Jubilee got upset because like obviously she sees Xavier as also being a father figure and she's like, why would you be killed? And Xavier's like, because I'm important and everybody needs to listen to me. I don't know. It's dumb. Anyway, <laughs> it's just it's just Professor trying to like get higher up on his hovering chair. Uh, so Gambit's son like, why do we trust this asshole? And Wolverine's like, we barely know anything about you. You haven't been straight with us ever or with me yeah. in bed. <laughs> yeah. And then Gambit's just like, well, I'm going to blow shit up. So he starts getting ready to do that. And Wolverine's like, let me put one claw in your butthole. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And then I think Storm interrupts yeah. and Storm goes, Gambit, I know you better than anyone. And then she and Rogue exchange this look. Did you notice that? I did. I'm like, okay, so now they're flirting for some reason. But I, I was don't also know what's going like, on. Is that look exchange Storm looking at Rogue and being like, yeah, I fucked Gambit. And Rogue <laughs> is just like, okay, cool. Rogue, it's like, like a weird moment. I was like, why did the animators include this? They're just like, Storm's like, yeah, I fucked Gambit. And Rogue's like, great. Everybody's getting some except for me. Thanks, honey. Thanks. <laughs> it's just like, it's really strange. I like couldn't think of another way to interpret that moment I mean, because... I, like, dude, I'm else? telling you, like this whole episode, like it's not just gay; it's just like extremely sexual from this point forward. Well, I forward. mean, they're literally all fucking. Anyway, guys, it's not just us; it is just us. But I don't know. Not. I mean, you, I think we're like somehow getting our our listeners to believe in us. Anyway, so Gambit eventually is like, yeah, me too, because it needs to happen. So Storm tries to appeal to Gambit's better nature. It doesn't work, probably because she and Rogue are also busy flirting at the same time. And Gambit ends up storming out of the room well, and says, but, Gambit don't need nobody. But that's because specifically he says, does anyone trust me? He looks at Rogue and Rogue looks away. I don't know mm -hmm. why. Like Rogue just does not support him. And then he's like, well, fine. Fuck all of you. Like, and then he leaves. I kind of feel bad for, for Gambit in this. I know. Oh, he, yeah. I know that he was an asshole in Slave Island. We know he's got a criminal past. But I think honestly, within the X-Men scope of things, he's joined the team. And I think he's honestly trying. And I think he gets like Wolverine's there and he gets forgiven for everything. And Gambit just doesn't. I think Gambit just doesn't have the patience to fucking wait for, I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they just treat Gambit like I, shit. I mean, it's kind of easy to feel bad for Gambit in this episode and like forget about what an asshole he was during slave Island. But if you look at that context, then it's like, but I don't know. Is this how the storm was like standing by him for so long in that episode. And even in this episode, she's trying to stand by him. Yeah. But like Gambit is essentially ignoring storm because but he see, like, now, here's Can't. my question, though, is like, is this the way the X-Men normally treat Gambit? Because if that's the case, then no wonder he's just like, fuck them when they're in the slave island. I mean, that's legitimate, but I also feel like Gambit has issues trusting people, too. Like, he's not willing to actually open up to any of them about, like, his past. And I feel like he also isn't a joiner. Like, he's not interested in joining a group, really. Well, he's kind of like, like Wolverine in that way. Like, yeah. he's, he doesn't really want to be part of the X-Men. Yeah, they both fuck each other at night, and they're just, like, screaming about how each one's a loner, like, yeah. while they're having <laughs> sex with each other. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so Gambit goes to sneak onto Blackboard anyway, and then Bishop's, like, comes running in. He's like, where are you going, traitor? And then Wolverine also, like, jumps out of the shadows. He's like, yeah, out of curiosity, where are you going? And Gambit's like, I'm going to go to D.C., and Bishop's like, he and Bishop's admits like, it. I knew it. I know. I knew, I knew it. He's like pointing. He's like, this guy's <laughs> yeah. an asshole. Gambit's like, no, I'm going to yeah. stop it since all of you are just fucking standing here. And then all the X-Men are just there. Yeah, like, all, all the X-Men are just suddenly, suddenly in the there. background. And they're like, it turns out we are going to go to Washington, D.C. to stop it. But Gambit has to stay behind to prove that he's not involved, which okay. is shitty. Wait, wait. I love. OK, I think I made a note here. It says, Raskazar X says, 
we can't let you go because it's too dangerous. And then I put in parentheses, didn't Xavier think it was him who was going to die? Why is he keeping Gambit close to an idiot? I mean, like, Professor X is still going. Basically, Professor X is saying that he wants to go to his conference and he's pretty sure Gambit did it. So he's making Bishop and Gambit stay home. Yeah, like, I mean, that, I got, I like, got basically, that Basically, Professor this... X doesn't trust Gambit. No, you're right. But it was like, I didn't get that until later on because I didn't understand that Professor X was going to DC. Like, I thought they were all just going <laughs> to stay He had there. to go to his conference. I, it's all about him. <laughs> it is all about him. It's the Professor Xavier Khan. Xavier Khan. Um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So Bishop's then saying that he's going to stay with Gambit because... and like beat the shit out of him. Yeah, and yeah. He's they're just gonna like, like hate oh my fuck God, each it's other. So, you're right because Bishop's like, I'm gonna stay behind and just torture Gambit for hours. And Gambit's, and Gambit's like, not if I torture you first. And then Wolverine <laughs> just puts his hands on his, head, on his hips. He's like, you kids better behave. And then he's like. <laughs> And then he goes, I'm what? staying behind to babysit, he says. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's just like, one can fuck me in the mouth. The other can fuck me in the ass. I'm staying to babysit. And then the black There's bird takes off. There's enough Wolverine to go around. Yeah. Yep. And, and then, for some reason, the rest of the X-Men are just like, fine. Honestly, whatever <laughs> vibe this is. It's just like, them. I mean, like, why is Wolverine? Just... Wolverine is only staying behind so he can, like, fuck Bishop and Gambit. That's the only reason that could happen. Okay, this whole episode, we're not even telling what happens this episode. We're just telling a fan fiction I mean, of Wolverine. That's our, you realize that's what our show is now. It's not even us recapping. It's just us, like, rewriting Listen, the episode. We're also to... recapping it. We just add in a, a little sprinkling of fan fiction throughout. And yeah, it's up to it's... the listener to decide what's real and what isn't. I mean, they know which one's real, and it's our version. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we cut to them like playing strip poker i guess yeah and, yeah yeah. i uh, wrote that too <laughs> bishop is still antagonizing gambit who's just like throwing cards at him and bishop's like my power absorbs powers and wolverine pops his claws and he's like absorb these and it's yeah, like that's it's the entire scene, scene. That's i it. liked it i liked watching them fight with each I other i mean i really wish they were playing strip poker because they were playing poker it did feel like a fan fiction premise really like i was watching did. that poker scene and i was like this feels like the beginning of a fan fiction where then they all fuck each yeah, other because then it cuts away and then yeah. it comes back to like after they fucked yeah so anyway uh so back back on the blackbird storm or sorry not on the blackboard they've gone to dc storm is getting yeah, they into get to position, washington dc and they see the w hotel now <laughs> so like a nice hotel and that's what? apparently where yeah. blob and pyro are staying oh wait right because they're there too and also just so you know every our, our, our dearest listeners storm is stationed somewhere where nobody can find her which is on top of the washington, washington monument. monument i know i know <laughs> and i'm like everyone can see you up there dude yeah like, like it's, literally there's everyone. literally nothing there it's just a pillar that goes into the sky with like no trees around it and on she's an just open field. hanging out on top of it yeah being I guess, storm right in her outfit and then and then rogue and jubilee by the way are cuddling underneath a tree i know like taking a nap i was yeah. like what is <laughs> what is happening and right jubilee, now? but then jubilee's having like a scary like sex stream with gambit it's it's kind of weird because you just hear being like gambit stop don't do it gambit stop and i was like what is happening? And I mean, like, I, you know, fan fiction aside, I figured that was about Slave Island. That's what I figured it was, too. And then... Which is kind of sad. And it's also, like, a reminder that, like, deep down, she doesn't really trust Gambit either. Right, right. And you're right dun, about dun, that. Dun. But it was, I think, at my point when I was watching this episode, I was just so into it being, like, a porn instead of an episode. <laughs> well, Jubilee's a child, so I can't I get know. on board for that. I know. And I can't either. But, like, that's the way it's set up. Well, it could be one of those situations where, like, a 30-year-old plays, like, a 19-year-old. I mean, in the X-Men porn, yeah. Yeah, in the X-Men porn. And so, anyway, as you said, Pyro and Avalanche are, like, at the really nice hotel but nearby, and 
Blob is now with them. Blob has joined them, and he's burping out the window. This is the I start of like the problems Blob I have with Blob existing. But like, we'll get Blob to that. Blob is the worst character. You he's know, the worst. there's nothing to him. Like everything Blob does is a fat joke. Everything, and like that's See, it. This is this is one of the things I do like about X Men Evolution. It's not a very good show overall, but like I don't think at any point Blob is. Like, they don't make his powers about him being overweight, like, in that show. It's all about him just being, like... Absorbing Yeah, and just, like, and and just like this big dude who can, like, pick up cars and throw them, essentially. But they make him sort of I interesting I mean, his there. power is cool. Yeah. It's just that I don't like how they write him to say stupid fat jokes. Well, I, I think this is the problem, especially with the 90s and even the 80s. Like, fat jokes were a thing, especially in movies and TV shows. I like, feel like it's only now changing. You know, like, I agree. And it's it's always been a problem. And in this case, it's really bad. And him burping out the window is only the start of that. But we'll get to that. Because we're going to go back to Pyro and Avalanche, who are back together. Mm-hmm. They're okay. They're still making out on the couch. And... <laughs> Mystique's... I was kind of glad to see them again. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I love the part that the door opens and they're getting like directions from their boss, who's like, yeah, obviously we don't Mystique. See who it is yeah, but it's yeah, like it's you really hear her voice, Mystique. you see her you shadow, her, her shadows, like you can see the skulls in her shadow. There's another mm-hmm. shadow that spells out Mystique above her. Sort um, of like a proto mutant brotherhood lineup here. Yeah. And Although then, they don't call it that, but right. it's like basically that. And Mystique's just like, we cannot fail. And they all just stand there and like nodding. And then it yeah. cuts away to back to strip poker where they finished fucking. And now Gambit's like watching TV on a bunch of arcade machines. I don't know how that's working. I mean, they just hooked up some arcade machines to play Senator Kelly, like I, yeah. speaking at the this sort of weird conference where Xavier is. I don't even understand the purpose of this conference, but whatever. It's like not explained at all. But then, you know, Gambit comes back to the game and he's like, well, he leaves a card, a charged card by the right, TV. They, they want him to play, and he's he leaves a charged card by the TV, and it explodes, but then he throws a bunch of other cards that also explode, there's just, like, exploding cards everywhere, and he just runs out in the smoke and gets away, and Bishop's mm-hmm. like, do you believe me now? And Wolverine's like, shut up, rookie! <laughs> yeah, Gambit, like, takes one of the extra planes and okay. flies to Washington, D.C. It looks D. like a Lego spaceship. I That's know. I was I like, how, first of all, how many extra planes do they have in the hangar? Like, why are there but just planes lying around? Like, like a what's bright happening? Yellow spaceship. It looks like a toy plane. Like, it, it looks does. ridiculous. Like, I don't know how nobody would notice it or like notice it flying towards the White House, being like, "What's that strange thing flying towards us?" Yeah, like we mentioned this in the the first couple of episodes where the Sentinels are just flying around and like the Air Force doesn't give a shit apparently about all these like <laughs> undocumented like, you know, the, things. One flying of the places around. in America with the highest security, they just don't yeah. give a shit. And there's like a, a mutant conference going on, and like everybody's just like, I guess we'll just let these planes fly in yeah. and like land anywhere. Right? Like why not? And so meanwhile, Bishop and Wolverine start arguing or they're going to make out. I'm not even really sure at this point. And then Bishop mm-hmm. starts, says something that makes no sense at all. He says, you probably sent me back from the future because everything that happens is your fault. Yeah, I thought that this was an example of this episode retconning something that made no sense in the episode we just watched. Yeah, that's how is, I felt about that, too. Yeah, which is it makes a lot more sense if the last episode Bishop and Wolverine are somehow already friends or like contentious allies or something, because like Bishop 
goes back in time, but there's no explanation as to why. Like Wolverine isn't the one who sends him back. And even Forge is like skeptical about it. But somehow Bishop just goes anyway, even though everyone else is like, who's this guy? Why know, is he here? Pretty much. And, and so like he just leaps into the time machine. Like no one fucking sends him. Yeah, he just volunteers. But he somehow has managed to delude himself into being like, my boyfriend Wolverine wanted me to go back in time. I mean, if we rewrote it to our standards, it would be the beginning it of that last episode. Sense. Bishop and wolverine were like ex-boyfriends and they were just running into each other again and bishop was like ha 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 since you're my ex i'm turning you in and wolverine's yeah. like well they're gonna take you too that would have made more sense although it would have and then when they do take him bishop going back to wolverine makes more sense and then like ultimately becoming a rebel again like right. whatever okay they're in love anyway. they, they're in love and they're gonna have beautiful babies together somehow because from you know it's sci-fi in the future they'll, they'll anything's possible and wolverine like has some weird powers going on Anyway, so it cuts the White House, and there's a protest <laughs> happening outside where people are just saying, humans, yes, humans, you, yes, no. no. I wrote that down, too. <laughs> I was like, good shit, guys. Good job. I, I literally also wrote that. I mean, Brian, that's, you we've know, known each other for too long. We have, and it's also, like, about the level of some protests happening right now, like, I know. from sides that we don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, come on, guys, get some rhythm, get some better, get some better poetics happening in your chants. Yeah, like, seriously. Um, anyway, Whatever. so then Pyro and Avalanche and Blob are also standing in the crowd, and they're all wearing the shittiest disguises. Like, they're just wearing coats over their costumes, except for the Blob, who isn't, like, he's dressed as a tourist. Like, Pyro and Avalanche are, like, just didn't get the memo, and I think Avalanche I Avalanche's, still Avalanche's, like, weird trench coat thing yeah. that he's wearing. And then, like, Pyro's was also had, like, a coat on, but it was only half on, and then, like, Pyro <laughs> turns to Avalanche, and he goes... <laughs> Ready to create our diversion, old darling? Because now he's calling Avalanche, he's calling Avalanche darling. And then Avalanche just turns around. He's like, I bring house down. <laughs> and they're so cute. I was into it. I, I was, was into like, it too, I'm but glad. why is Avalanche an idiot? Like, he's I like, I bring down house. He was an idiot before. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's okay. an idiot. So now we go to this like weird conference that Xavier's happening that I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like a debate. I, I guess like, so. Or it kind of reminded hearing. me, I mean, not to have like yet another DC reference randomly, but it reminded me of like, you know, Man of Steel and I, I guess Batman v Superman where they keep having situations where they're like, let's have Superman come to the White House or like come yeah. to the Capitol building and just stand here while senators come up and ask Superman what his deal is. It's basically that, which See, is like I something that doesn't that happen in our world. In those movies because I hated both those movies. I think I fell asleep during Batman v Superman. So there's that. I mean, that. that's legitimate. But like, at least in the trailers, do you remember like Superman having to go and like stand no, on trial, I but really, like trial I don't even nothing. remember that if anything this whatever reminds, the listeners will well, anyway fine. my point is it's like a classic they superhero can remember trope. that garbage movie that they want it reminds me more of the first x-men film because i think that's what they pulled this from was because oh, there's a God, scene in yeah. the first x-men film where gene and xavier are like debating with senator kelly and like but that wasn't quite a debate it was like a q a well you know? i guess but gene was speaking i there's i have a lot of thoughts on the x-men movie but we're gonna save that for then so basically during this whole hearing, Senator Kelly wants to know if Xavier is harboring the mutant vigilantes. And Xavier, like, doesn't answer the question. He's like, I run a school for gifted people, and they have special abilities for, like, learning. And, <laughs> and he also says that he's, like, focused on living alongside with humans. Yeah. But before he can even really say that, the entire building starts shaking and, like... 
shit starts going down because Avalanche and Pyro are there they and they're like about burst to like in. And the, there's a woman in the back. Be terrorists, basically. Right, yeah, pretty much. And then it make Xavier look bad, which they actually yeah. kind of redo this scene in Wolverine and the X-Men and it's really fucking good. But we'll get to that someday in a million years. Um, but there's a woman in I the mean, back. I mean, like, all of these storylines get redone, like, a million... Like, these yeah, are, like, much. the famous These are These are lines. the most famous storylines. So a woman in the back looks at her watch. She goes, right on time. And she just, like, walks out casually. And it's, like, very clearly Mystique. I, I mean, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but then Pyro creates this, like, firebird, and Cyclops and Jean run in. And Cyclops somehow puts out the fire with his laser beams. I don't know. And Jean just picks him up telekinetically and throws him out, the, like, out through a hole in the wall. And then mm-hmm. Xavier just goes to his head. He's like, everybody come to the Capitol. Yeah, he like sends out a brain message to yeah. all of the X-Men. It's like, and they all receive it. And Storm is just chilling on the Washington Monument and then like leaves. And then Rogue wakes up, but somehow Jubilee doesn't okay, wake but up. I love how like she shakes Jubilee and then she just is like, whatever. And like leaves Jubilee sleeping like in the middle of a public place. It's kind of yeah. weird. Meanwhile, Cyclops and Jean are like ch- now chasing the lady. I think. I think they're chasing Mystique, but they don't know it's her. I I couldn't really tell what's happening here. Like I just saw. Well, they're all running by, and they're trying to. Well, they're trying to find Pyro and a apo- right. Or not, and they they're running through Pyro the mob. So the entire mob sees all these mutants running away from the White House after a massive earthquake. So things aren't looking good. Things look pretty bad, actually. No, uh, and at some point Jubilee like hears all the ruckus and finally wakes up, and it's like kind of oh, funny. Yeah. That made me laugh really hard too because like. Basically, they're all running by, like, I think Cyclops and Jean are chasing Pyro and Avalanche, and then, like, Rogue also flies by, and Jubilee's like, hey, what's going on? And she just, like, runs after them. Yeah. And then Gambit, in the midst of all this chaos, just shows up in his Lego spaceship, so that's probably why they didn't notice anything. And he just, like, walks into the White House. Yeah, like, there's apparently no security, which I guess is logical, because, like, essentially Avalanche just blew up the place. I don't so, know. Like, I mean, like, or they were hiding in a right bunker now. because they, there's a, they thought there was an earthquake. Right. Then I think Cyclops and Gene are running by, and that's when the blob steps out. And he's like, no one can move the blob. And Rogue flies in, and she's like, I'll fucking move you. But she punches him. And this is, this is when I get utterly disgusted with this whole part of the episode, because rogue punches blob but he's just so fat that she gets sucked into his fat which he could then use his fat to throw her away like a million feet yeah and then and then but like also when she punches him he like burps and he's like taste good and like i know it's, it's so, so bad it's too I it. I, uh, me too and it was like it, this this whole episode up until this point was something i enjoyed until that was happening and i was like okay what the fuck and i have to remember that like this was like 1990 or 1991 where like i know it's like classic 90s yeah. shitty comic really yeah because but... like at, i think in the 90s they were steering away from a lot of like racial jokes because they were finally like making that okay but then they were like we can still make fat people big let's make fun of body types yeah like why not that'll never hurt anybody ever and so it's it just sucks i i just can't wait wait until we get to x-men evolution where we have like a version of the blob that's tolerable and not just somebody there like oh he's fat um because that's bullshit yeah i i did write down at some point over the course of this fight scene there's like a part where storm saves rogue but i can't remember why i just Uh, wrote it down that's when that's after the blobs flat like fat like throws her up into the air rogue goes to i mean storm goes to capture rogue we get all confused i'm getting all 
mad now. But then, <laughs> and then, and then, Blah makes a comment where he's gonna go over because, like, Jubilee starts shooting him, and he's like, "I'm gonna sit on you." And Jubilee's I like, know. "That's gross." It... And then, like, he just burps some more, and then like giggles, and then Wolverine like tries to face fuck Blob into the water. It's like it's fucking weird, and I hated all of it. Uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's it's like the fountain or the pool that's by the Washington Monument. Oh, yeah. and eventually, they toss him in there and freeze I think it's it like I think it's like the there. the water between that and the Lincoln Memorial is that correct I don't know I don't remember and then so we also have Avalanche shaking the water and Cyclops or he's shaking the ground and Cyclops and Gene are like flying falling into it and Pyro is like shooting out some more fire and like Storm puts one out with like you know a mini hurricane and Rogue just flies so far up into the atmosphere that the fire dies out yeah I didn't mind these uh animations though they were a lot less confusing yeah no I, I agree I didn't, I didn't feel like, like the I actual... could follow the fight scenes more or less yeah like the storyboarding made a lot more sense than the previous couple of episodes especially mm-hmm. that apocalypse fight where like it yeah, just didn't make any crazy. sense at all uh but in this like i could follow what's happening and then i think eventually blob falls into the water and then storm summons like the powers of the arctic winds to freeze it over and like throughout this um so wolverine coming back is like a big deal because obviously wolverine and bishop were tailing gambit here and gambit's also there not that they know that but like as soon as everybody sees wolverine they're like what the fuck are you doing here okay that was my favorite part because like wolverine walks over he just casually looks at like the blob who's like just stuck in the ice and he's like we should make him into an igloo and cyclops is like wait why the fuck Why are, you are you here? here? Where yeah. are Gambit and Bishop? And then Bishop just appears and like shoots away Byron Avalanche and Wolverine goes, Cajun assassin got the jump on us. And then he just smiles sexually at like Cyclops. I know. And then it's Bishop good. for and some Cyclops reason. Cyclops is like, I'm mad at both of you oh, right now. I actually loved Cyclops. And most of the time I don't like Cyclops. But in this, He's I just loved moment, how he was though. just like, what the fuck? And then so yeah, then- because like both he and Bishop fucked up and Cyclops is just standing there like, are you guys <laughs> fucking serious? Like there yeah, were two of you. I know. And then also Bishop also goes, wait, where's Gambit? <laughs> and then Cyclops is like, he was supposed to be with the both of you. What the fuck? You had one job. Like, come on. I don't remember how it goes but there's this really good moment where he's like he's supposed to be with you and looks at bishop and then turns around and stares at wolverine and is like <laughs> and you it's like just like making clear that he's also mad at his boyfriend it's oh good. my god anyway. but and it, it really is his boyfriend because then avalanche like creates an aval like he shakes the ground again and wolverine and cyclops like fall down and then like wolverine like helps cyclops up and is like holding his arm and i took a screen cap and like they're dating yeah i mean wolverine's having sex with everybody in this episode it's like i i i thought i told you i was like either i am really aroused by this episode or like literally everyone's just having sex i don't know um so (laughs) anyway bishop like deflects avalanche's energy beam but then diverts it into a building that then collapses no it's like he shoots them i think it's supposed to be like because you know how that's accidental I know. I think it's not the White House, but I think the White DC still has like a Capitol House in addition to the White House, or no, or it's probably the Jefferson Memorial. That's what it looked like. I'm you tra- know way more about Washington DC than I do. Is you what know, I'm learning. just fun fact: like my older sister went to uh, GW George Washington University, and so like yeah, yeah. So like I would go there every summer and stay there during the summer. So like I used to know like how to get around DC for a while. That's a fun side note: is I spent summers instead of camp, I went to Washington DC. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah, well, it is anyway, pretty cool. I've never actually been there, so I don't well, know. Well, okay, so I'm pretty is. sure it's the Jefferson Memorial 
and like the roof falls off and Jean catches it with her mind so like all the people can clear out but there's just one child standing there I and was like, like, how did this child's parents let them continue standing there under a piece of roof that's about to kill them? Yeah, like, and it's just like floating in midair. And then Jean, like after five seconds, she's like, it's too heavy. I kind of hate that Jean can't do anything in the show. It's I do like, too. It kind of it's annoying. A lot. But then I did like that Rogue swoops in and is the one to catch it and yeah, like save this, the kid. Listen, I said this already. I keep saying this, but like this, this show has like made me remember all the things that were great about rogue before she became emo and like i love rogue on this show like to the point where i that i like am becoming a rogue fan again and i've spent so long like mimicking her and like making fun of her but like it's gotten to the point where i'm starting to really love rogue because she's so good in this show it's also gotten to the point where you've gotten really really good at nailing the rogue accent on this show as listeners of this show know it's because of years and years of ryan imitating rogue (laughs) that's true so avalanche and pyro just make a hasty retreat and then after the child is saved the whole like roof collapses on rogue but she just like shoots out of it she's like i'm fine everybody not that anybody was worrying about me (laughs) And then, like, Wolverine is holding the crying child, and he just goes, I know. This kid is crying. Do something. And Jubilee is like, okay, I guess I'll take care of it. You're a grown man, and I'm a teenager, but whatever. <laughs> um, the storm flies after Pyro and Avalanche, and Cyclops is like, wait, where's Bishop? And then he's like, Rogue, can you see Bishop? And Rogue sees Bishop running to the White House, and she's like, Yeah, I'd she's s- like, he's close enough I could spit on him. She's like, I'd spit on, I'd spit on him if I were a lady. Oh, and she also <laughs> says, looks like he's running for Congress, because he's Which running. Which is a pun, I because know, he's, he's going running. into, like, the congressional building, I guess. It was good, it was good. Um, Rogue goes after Bishop, who hides in a doorway, obviously, because you just can hide behind doors and doorways and nobody will see you. So Rogue just like yeah, Rogue blows somehow by him. doesn't find him. And meanwhile, Bishop is trying to track down Senator Kelly, I guess, because he's trying to prevent the assassination still. Yeah. And then we see Senator Kelly and that lady is there. I don't remember what order the one all that's this shit the mystique happens in. Is. The lady who is like clearly mystique. She's like, let's go in this room for no reason. She's like, it's safe in this closet. <laughs> and they go in there and the other copy of the lady who mystique is being is like tied up in there and senator kelly's like what i know senator kelly's just like, like wait what's going on i'm starting to get suspicious <laughs> and then mystique transforms into gambit dun 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 yep. this is the explanation yep. for the, how this whole switcheroo happened she um, and she's like i'm gambit from the x-men and I'm the one killing. And I'm like, why is she like spelling I this it's out? It's really funny. She's like, she's like, I'm Gambit from the X Men, and we're gonna have a witness because like that's what she does. She takes the blindfold off that off that woman, and she oh, just announces right. it to her. And she's like, this is who I don't am. Don't forget. This is who, don't forget. And now I'm gonna go kill this dude. But remember, I'm Gambit from the X Men. <laughs> don't forget that the X Men are involved. And I, she's just like, I don't know. I thought it was funny. Then Gambit actual gambit shows up and everyone is just like why and senator kelly's like what the fuck is happening like somehow senator kelly like still doesn't get that this person yeah, we- is a shapeshifter even though he just watched her change you know what's funny like, before his very eyes <laughs> know, right and also he's like an anti-mute and he's like what are all these weird people with powers it's, i don't know i mean like i get that senator kelly's like not being portrayed as a good guy so i'm not opposed to it by any means it's just like funny how stupid he okay, is okay but also it's funny because this wasn't intentional, but there's, like, a scene here where Senator Kelly is, like, freeing the lady just totally casually. And they're, like, having a chat while, like, Gambit versus Gambit are just, like, beating each other up 
in the background, which is a scene that we filmed on that old X-Men parody movie we made as teenagers, but it was not based off of this. I mean, it could have been. I mean, I don't I don't remember that. I don't think it was, but it reminded me a whole lot of that. And it was kind of comical in a way. And then mm-hmm. Bishop runs in to shoot Gambit. We do the whole but who's who gambits. gag. Like, you know, the, yeah. the, the, it's such a who. It's crazy. Which Gambit's the real Gambit? Like, we've never done this on a cartoon before. <laughs> Yeah. Bishop is like, I guess I'll just have to kill both of them and then with like, my what gun. The I'll kill them. I know. He's like, I'm just going to murder everyone. And Rogue's like, I'm not. What the fuck? No, we're not doing yeah, this. Yeah, Rogue finally finds everyone. I like, know. after 10 minutes, Rogue finally stumbles into the room. <laughs> but like, and she's like, she g- somehow disarms Bishop and she's like, no fucking way. You're not going to kill either of my two new boyfriends who are clones <laughs> now. Also, I'm going to grab your time watch and destroy it. And yeah. send you back. And so he just gets Bishop just gets sucked away in a portal, and that's the end of Bishop. And Which then, is kind of interesting because it's like a follow-up. It's it's sort of like Rogue redeeming herself in Gambit's eyes because she betrayed him earlier, but now she's coming back to save him right. and getting rid of this guy. Yeah, and I think that's I liked that. Um and then she goes over to the senator and she's like, Go on, Senator, just leave us be. Like, and then so the senator does just leave with this lady. Yeah. And he then does. The, and then it's just Rogue with this imposter gambit who turns into mystique and this is where i think they quickly were like backpedaling real fast because like yeah i forgot about this and then i felt stupid because i was like i remember seeing this me too but then i was like (laughs) i don't think i ever saw it in this order like i've never watched the show like in episodical order and like i've definitely never paid this much attention to the show i will freely admit to that so okay i'm gonna i'm just gonna point out that mystique in Rogue's relationship in the comic of books is that like she finds Rogue when she was like a kid. That's true, but she knows her as Mystique because she wor- I know. Rogue works yeah. for the Brotherhood. And in this, like they can't. I feel like this is why they're backpedaling because they quickly had to come up with the reason why Rogue didn't recognize Mystique before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so they have Mystique turn into like this other random blonde lady, and they're like rogue is like mama and it's like I guess we're supposed to believe that this woman was her foster parent and at it, some right. point. And it, I would the only way that it's believable is because it's just a random lady so it's it yeah. would have to be somebody that only rogue would know you know and the way that like she talks to rogue makes rogue under like remember who she is and basically mystique's like you're gonna help me escape and rogue's like why would i do that and she turns into like her mom and she's like because you're always here to help me and and rogue's freaking out and like you know basically like she's just like i stayed like this if she basically like turned into herself and she's like you know i i stayed in this this form yeah until the day you ran away but anyway we get more later there's first like a little scene with senator kelly talking to the x-men right 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 down this fucking stupid line that he had he says first one of you mutants tried to kill me and then another one saved me but he looked just like the one trying to kill me. And I was like, Senator Kelly, it's what? like, you can't fucking understand this possible for some mutants to be good and this some to be really bad. This is a really hard math equation for him. He was never it's good like at math. It's like, he can't figure it out. He's like, one mutant tried to kill me, but another one tried to save me. But one of them was trying to kill me. Hmm. I don't, are I, all mutants bad or are all mutants good? It's I one or the know. other. It, I can't. It definitely can't be both. That's oh, impossible. There's also like, like a great line here, too, where before Senator Kelly even walks out, Wolverine and Cyclops are walking down the hall and Wolverine stops Cyclops. And he goes, I smell something oily. And Senator <laughs> Kelly walks out. And I was like, I, I laughed really I hard that. at that, too. That's great. Oh, my God. 
Um, and so then the woman comes over and she's like, one of the mute, one of them shifted into me and then into the other mutant. And Cyclops finally goes, oh, a shapeshifter. I know. It's like they're explaining it in the worst possible way. And Cyclops is just like, you know, touching the bridge of his nose. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, why are we doing this? And then he goes, that explains why Bishop thought Gambit was the assassin. And then they go into the room and Gambit's just like, I don't know. Did he like pass out? I don't really understand what happened here. Like, I guess he got knocked out at some point and Wolverine just looks like. I uh, think he got knocked out by the other Gambit. Yeah, but I don't remember that happening. And then so Wolverine goes, is he taking a nap? Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. And, and then it, it goes back to Mystique and Rogue having like more of a conversation while they walk together by the, the Washington Monument. Yep, I, and, I wrote um, this all down. Mystique says, I failed Apocalypse. He wanted me to assassinate Senator Kelly and I couldn't do it. And the Rogue's like, leave him. Mystique's like, you don't understand. Apocalypse gave me a purpose in my life like Xavier gave you. And Rogue says, well, how did you do it, though? Mystique's like, because I thought it was the only way I could get you back. And then we get like a dramatic shot of Rogue's hair blowing in the wind. And I then know. Mystique cries and a rogue cries and that's why I'm like it, it was such it, i mean it's done well i'm not saying it's done poorly but like it definitely feel like they had to backpedal and be like oh shit we wrote an episode a bunch of episodes where mystique and rogue encountered each other except like they're related so yeah there's that. it was also kind of weird it, it felt a little bit like a retcon because like during those episodes which we were hard on yeah mystique didn't seem remote remorseful well, at all, that's what i mean which was it's weird like, i mean there was like a moment that we thought maybe she was and when she like, had we Rogue. tried our best to read into mystique like being remorseful but like i don't really think the i don't think those apocalypse were like that i don't think the apocalypse episodes were written to have mystique be her mom and then they were quickly like oh the show's doing well we should probably like actually make that happen it's weird though because usually like you would write an entire first season at the same time right I mean, it, again like we keep like jokingly suggesting this but it seriously feels like some episodes are written by people who like didn't talk to other people that's, on the team that's how i feel too like it's and, and like maybe they just got like a series of note cards that were like okay like these are the plot beats that we need to hit and like we're relatively familiar with what we're supposed to be doing but like we don't really know yeah i don't know i mean i it's, don't actually really know strange. how the production maybe this... someday we'll get to find out how this all works you know but... if, if we ever have a chance to like interview say the showrunners or something i would be like i would actually ask that be like how did this production go because sometimes it feels like the show is connected and other times it does not so well, like, we'll just have to hope they never actually listen to our show where we repeatedly talk about how many characters wolverine is fucking canonically <laughs> <laughs> they might be into it Uh, So anyway, we go back to Bishop, who appears in the future, and nothing's changed at all. And Bishop's like, nothing's changed. And Forge is like, keep trying again and again and again, because one of these times we'll get it right. Yeah. And like, Bishop's like, but I changed the past. And Forge is like... Yeah, like, I stopped the assassination, and Forge is like, then something else must have happened to cause the Sentinels to rise. But this is important to note, is that something did change. Okay? Because... Okay. So he did change some. He did change the future somehow. It wasn't the Sentinels that went away. The Sentinels are still there, but now in the future, Wolverine's dead. Wait, was that revealed? Well, it was very subtly. Okay, so throughout the series, I know eventually the series goes on. Bishop figures out that he is changing the future, and then Forge finally is like, "I think you keep on changing things, and I keep forgetting things, and things are different." Like that's a right. whole plot point way later in this series. But the only reason why I noticed it here because it's so subtle is that Forge says that. Bishop comes back and says, nothing's changed. And Forge is like, yeah, the Sentinels are still attacking us and nothing's changed at all. And then he goes over to a tank that's just Wolverine's adamantian skeleton. Oh, 
I didn't notice that at all. It was so subtle, but I thought it was like so good. Like, so what they did change something. They changed, they didn't change the outcome of the future, but they changed it. So now Wolverine just didn't survive the future. That's kind of amazing. Right? Like, this is a pretty good show. This, I mean, I, I thought it was so good. Like, I think that was like my favorite part of the episode because it was like such a subtle change about time travel. And like, would you a time travel story? Like, if you're going to do it well, you have to really do you have to make it about the subtle changes. Like, he, it, like you could do big, drastic things if you want to, if you were trying yeah, to do like it you could have him come back and like some buildings in New York are fixed, but others aren't. Yeah, I mean, right. So. <laughs> So it's. I thought that was really good. No, that's uh, really cool. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, you should go back and watch it at the end because, I, like, at first I was like, "What the fuck is that skeleton?" And then I noticed it had the three claws and each thing, and it was silver. And I was like, "Oh shit, Wolverine died because they just left. Like Bishop just left, and Wolverine was fine." So like, what happened now is like Wolverine didn't make it in the future. Yeah, but we don't know how yet, and it's just going to be a matter of like Bishop figuring it out and like going back in time again or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So back back to our present day. Yeah. The X-Men are going back to check in on Senator Kelly because he aver- apparently invited them to like have an actual meeting this time. Yeah. And Professor X is like getting on his high horse being like, I get to talk to Senator Kelly again. Senator Kelly is so cool. Oh my God. Now I cannot friends. wait to get his autograph. <laughs> I am clearly a political moderate who's like willing to fucking bend over backwards for a bigot who gives me the time of day. And so they go into Senator Kelly's office and it's like completely demolished and there's like a well, huge hole in the wall. But before even that, Jean just goes, wait, something's wrong. Like she's, oh she's like, she's God. holding it to her head. She's like, I sense something's wrong, but you hear like literally explosions in the next room. I know. And this like, is another Jean, thing that we made fun of in D-Men when we were making our X-Men parody. She does this throughout like, the series. I know, like, the, the psychic being like a total ditz yeah. and being like, something's going wrong, but Wait, what? what could, it's <laughs> like, like there's not. literally people fighting in the background. She's like just looking off into the breeze, all pretty. Like So they walk in, there's a huge hole in the wall. Everything's been destroyed. And then Cyclops is like, it must have been the Brotherhood. And Xavier's like, no, it wasn't. No, it could it was it. something else. And Cyclops is like, what is it? And this, okay all this makes no sense but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it anyway so xavier holds up his watch he goes because my watch stopped and cyclops is like so fucking what and xavier <laughs> goes because it's been magnetized and he no, dropped before he says that he puts the watch magnetically on his chair dramatically okay, he no, like no, no. snaps it on there and he's but like you're, you're right he does magnetized. do that but first he, he, he like drops it and then it gets a t- like it sucked into the chair basically xavier like does a fucking little show that only cyclops and gene can see where he just like does a thing but, and he's like look at this shit but that's not my how my ex-boyfriend's back i know right but that's not how anything fucking works it's not okay how, oh, look i know okay so, like, I know. so basically that's what not... happened is that apparently magneto came in and blew up everything while they weren't there when he and then they walked in apparently his magnetic magnetic force field was still there enough to stop like all mechanical things and also make all everything become magnets to each other and i'm like i don't think that's how that works that's it's not, not science i mean that's I'm, like I, not how his powers listen, work i am not a person all. who knows anything Unless about Magneto science was just secretly hanging out the window waiting for xavier to come in and I, then he stopped I, xavier's watch and then caused xavier's chair to be magnetized just to <laughs> fuck with him and be, then be left funny if he was just like pulling a wolverine and waits until somebody says magneto and it's like Magneto was here. Magneto turns around. He's like, I am here. You know, like that kind of drama. I mean, that doesn't happen. We don't get a Magneto shot at the end of the episode. We just get the stupid watch on the chair. It's I don't know. It's dumb. But anyway, Magneto apparently kidnapped Senator Kelly. We think 
but I don't actually think that's what happens, but not a spoiler because I don't remember how it goes, but I'm pretty sure... I don't sure... remember how it goes either. No, I think... I, what I think it is is that I think Magneto ends up working with Xavier to save Senator Kelly, if I'm correct, so... Yeah, I remembered... I also have a, a vague memory like, of, I like, Magneto whole... not being the bad guy in this scenario. Right, because the big bad at the end is supposed to be, like, Master Mold, right? Because this whole season's all about... been about the Sentinels, so... Yes. It's... And, like, even to the point where in the future, they're trying to stop the future where the Sentinels take over... You know, this is a good segue into our politics section. <laughs> Guys, don't create giant robots Holy shit. that are supposed there's to like, kill marginalized people. Just don't do it because it's gonna go wrong, going okay? wrong. I, like, okay, so let's back it up to what I was saying before, where it's like Senator Kelly is somebody that is anti-mutant, and he's like at he's running this whole political statement where he's running for president, and he's just like his whole mm-hmm. political statement is like mutants now, are bad. But he's like a very popular bigoted senator who's going to win, right. probably. Right, and he's going after a very specific group. So he's essentially getting a bunch of racists to back him up, and then he's also giving the racist powers by building giving them power by building them these machines and weapons that they can use against like the subcategory of people they're gonna go after. And what ends up happening is that, like, somebody assassinates him because he's just fucking crazy and he's, like, letting racists run the entire country. But then things get even worse because, like, I mean, this isn't explained in the show, but something that happens in real life is that if the discourse gets dragged in a specific direction, then more and more people who are of that ideology also get elected and are in power. Right. And I then... mean, like, we see that the president, who we remembered as being, like, kind of more moderate or left-leaning... Mm-hmm. she's still in power even when the sentinels rise but i took it to mean that like congress was completely anti-mutant at that point so like they were the ones voting right for because the sentinel because program, at the end of and, that like, she one of the sentinels comes and takes the president away like well they there's like two sentinels in the president's oval office and right. she like has her head in her hands because it's just like it's completely military rule at that point like she has two sentinels in her fucking office just standing over her right and once when they've captured all the mutants when they've when they've gone the racists are essentially using the military to capture like you know like some category of people anyone they finish that and then there's still people fighting against back them they're like oh but we got these big machines these big weapons so if you're not going to listen to us we'll kill you too so then everybody right. has and to like, fight that's them. something that's better explained in like the comics and even the movie is that the sentinels start out by attacking mutants and then they start attacking anybody who's ever helped a mutant right and then and it then just they keeps attack branching anybody out. who's like ever known a mutant and then eventually it's just like it's everybody because the sentinels are like we just have to get rid of mutants and like that's how it is extrapolated out and i mean it's yeah like machines in sci-fi shit are gonna do that but also people do that like that's how biases actually work like you start being like no we're just gonna we're just gonna get rid of the the bad people according to my parameters and then whoever helps them is also really bad it's bad to even help them and then also anybody else who knows that etc etc you know like that's man yeah it's (laughs) it's it's really dark and it it makes me scared about the state of our country right now because there's like this even this episode has like protests of like bigoted people screaming that like white it's people kind of only interesting though because like there aren't pr- counter protests really like, I don't, the only counter movements that we really see in x-men are like the x-men yeah you know right like the x-men are the counter protest essentially having a private meeting with senator kelly yeah i mean kind of i mean the x-men are kind of like 
sort of a, a unit of people who are marginalized and they're like trying to, they do some tactics that are like violent when they have to, and they do tactics that are like community building. Right. So they're actually like a fairly good allegory for the current day. It, it, this, but, this whole episode honestly kind of falls into that category. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I still think Magneto is right though. I Well, me too. <laughs> Magneto really needs to, I I don't know where he was in this episode, but it w- would have been useful Just if he like was around. Just really busily magnetizing Xavier's watch. I don't fucking <laughs> he know. He spent all his time doing that. I guess we'll find out. I, I mean, I guess the finale, we'll see what happens. That's true. It's, it's fucking sad that we don't remember. I don't know. I feel like every time I watch one of these episodes, I'm like, oh yeah. I like, feel like time. I watched all the other seasons more than I did the first season because I think when I was younger, I, I was was kind of bored by the first season because it's really heavy it, it, is. I mean, it is heavy like in terms of writing and political statements and it's only sometimes funny where i think as the show went on they made it more ridiculous and goofy to keep kids engaged with it but like in this first season it was trying really hard to do like an overarching plot where like everything was like sort of dark and like making a lot of statements and i don't feel i feel like the later seasons loses touch with that and i remember those episodes a lot more like, you, well, you maybe know, our political segments will get shorter when we get to them, but we'll see. For I mean, the moment, I, I don't really know what a political st- segment statement will be on like a series of different Dark Phoenix episodes, but whatever. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe we can just like talk about feminism or something. I mean, probably that that's a good way to put it. I mean, there's also aliens in that, so there's a, there's that. But in this episode, it's mostly this terrifying rule of power where if you give, yeah, a, a, if mean, you put a racist like... in charge and then let that racist give the military like super like heavy duty weapons that control the entire populace, then what ends up happening is that the whole fucking society will crumble like that's what will happen i thought it was interesting too that like even preventing senator kelly's assassination doesn't stop the sentinels from rising because there's too many other bigoted people who also have power who presumably like allow it to happen you know you know exactly i think even in our society now like people and i i do this too sometimes like you'll fall into a pattern of being like if we could just get rid of this one bigoted person it would be fine but actually there's a fuckload of bigoted people yeah, just, in power exactly. in the United States right now. Like, there's a lot, and like, if you get rid of one, then there's somebody just, like, else will do it. And a the problem, more. And the problem is, this is something that happens with Senator Kelly. Is that supposedly in this, he gets assassinated, and then like, it doesn't matter because at that point, he's rallied so many, he's rallied so many bigoted people that they're like, right, they can still rise up because he's they've already been supporting him, and so they're there. Like, they're already a group. If that makes any sense. So it's like the only way you could prevent this from happening would be to go back even further in time. But even then it's like, what are you supposed to do about stopping anti-mutant sentiment? Like that's like a huge project. And I mean, yeah, it's all metaphorical. Like I get that it's like not a perfect metaphor, but I definitely was thinking about it a lot watching this. I was like, what are the tactics that would actually work in this situation? Like what should the X-Men be doing to help people but also show people that like yeah some mutants are bad some mutants are good there's different things that we can do here and there's like different ways to approach this i mean i don't like professor x's like personal weird like <laughs> Any, shitty literally anything he does like I of, know. like just like self-serving bullshit but even that is realistic I, it, like, you're right that totally it's realistic do that. it's just annoying that he's like we should just bow down to what the humans want and then everyone should listen to me and only me and like help me with all my personal problems and then like also we should just like hide ourselves from the rest of society yeah 
Fuck Xavier. I don't know. I, he's he's you know, weird. Okay, so I, they don't really go into it in this show. Like, I think they might a little as the show goes on. But, like, I because I for some reason I was re-watching X-Men Evolution again. So that's like, you know how you have feel-good shows? Like, shows you just watch. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how you watch Star Trek The Next Generation where you just yes, want to feel okay? which I have been lately. And for you, it's it's X-Men Evolution, it, it, apparently. Right, but except Star Trek The Next Generation is a much better show. But uh x-men well, evolution it's got, it's got some fucking goofy parts you're, you're but yeah, right go ahead. but like x-men evolution <laughs> is something that i will go watch because it's like i can kind of turn my brain off but the one of the episodes that i was watching recently involved cyclops quickly like like blowing a school bus away from falling off a bridge full of ch- like there's children on the bus and he like uses laser laser beam to stop it from falling and like mm-hmm. it gets captured on the news not him like but his laser beams and then xavier's like we shouldn't be like, xavier's all like all mad about it but then all the x-men are like so what's the resolve here to like to hide our powers when we could potentially be helping people and like making people know we exist and that that's like sort of a whole theme for one of their seasons and it's really good like because that's like one of the shows where they kind of fight back a lot on xavier's ideals and i think that's probably why i liked it as much as i did besides the fact that they are also being teenagers with powers you know what i mean yeah i mean there's there's cool stuff about that show. I'll definitely enjoy watching we get there, the X-Men yeah, push yeah. back more on Xavier because in this show, they largely don't. Yeah, they really don't. And it's like, I mean, I think this is why Wolverine we both like Wolverine and Gambit. And Gambit. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think, <laughs> I think Jubilee eventually starts acting in that I mean, way. Not too. yet. She's still like total hero worshiping Xavier at this point, which yeah. is like, it makes sense for a kid to do that. I feel like she's still going through the phase of like trusting everyone and wanting everyone to be a family, which is sweet. And it's like, I'm still really enjoying Jubilee as a character on this right, show. Me too. By she's, the way. She, I do too. And it's like, obviously she's not as punk and rebel as she is in the comic books, but I, this idea that people had gotten in their heads were like Jubilee was really annoying on the TV show. And I'm like, she's been I pretty have yet useful. To see it. I mean, maybe she's going to get annoying later, but we'll see. I mean, I... I don't know. I think, and I think it's just the way they present her as like, just a really hyperactive, like 13 year old girl might be annoying to some people in the terms of them being like, Oh, that's Wolverine's sidekick. And I'm like, no, you really got to read the comic books though, where she's I think just... also people just don't like female characters. I mean, there's when that they're really cool. You know what though? <laughs> and they're like annoyed that a girl, is obviously there, something changed because Jubilee now has her own team in the comic books. She came back and Hell yeah. she's running generation X and it's great. Actually in the comics right now, Kitty, Pride is now the person who's in charge of the X-Mansion again. Like, she's just been doing it for a decade, and then she left for a little while while she went to space and Storm took over. Now she's back, and Jubilee's, like, right there with her. I'm like, oh, this is so good. The, like, the original kids of the X-Men are yeah, now the running. Teens, the-, the teen girls are now adult women. And I love that. So I think that's, like, perfect. I think that's the best way to come full circle on those character story arcs is that they're now in charge of everything, so... Anyway, yeah, totally. Sorry, I just had to plug Speaking that. Speaking of which, I guess we should talk about some other X Men history. We, Are we done should. With politics? Yeah, let's do that. Ready? Yep. Who's that X Men? It's not an X Men. It's this time. okay. So it is not <laughs> an X Men. Who's that, that human? <laughs> just give away. I was going to be like, it's a human at least. Okay, so. On our X-Men spotlights, it can be about any mutant or like a villain or an X-Men. Any X-Men character, any character that's been made famous through the world of X-Men. Yeah, and this time around, I really just wanted to put a little focus on Senator Kelly because 
you know, he appears in all in all the cartoons, except for like, I think the anime and mm-hmm. and he's in the live action movie and right. like everything like a lot of people are familiar with him. Right. As a character. And like a lot of his storylines in the comic books is what they're pulling from in these X-Men films. And they obviously have him in the first film. But like even in Days of Future Past, like that's a story about him. It's just he just plays a really important role in the X-Men universe up until like the early 2000s. And I just wanted to sort of like explain who he really is, because he's a big part of the X-Men universe. Like, you know, he's like the first real X-Men enemy they have before, like that's that's a human enemy that's like a political enemy. right yeah i was about to say he's like the human antagonist that they have yeah and i think that's really important if you're writing a political drama to be like well here's this way that you have humans in power right. and being able to work against mutants and eventually in like a specific after way. like the time of senator kelly we get um a grading creed which is right who we've talked yeah, about and that he's the one that runs like essentially neo-nazis which is kind yeah. of terrifying but that's that or the kkk later. yeah yeah uh, so basically, but like against mutants, right? So Senator Kelly, he's dead. Ah! Uh, <laughs> Senator Kelly's real name is Senator Robert Edward Kelly, and he is married to this woman named Sharon, who is a maid at the Hellfire Club. And the first time we ever see Senator Kelly is during a scene at the Hellfire Club where he's meeting with them, and Mastermind uh, creates this illusion that makes Senator Kelly believe that Cyclops is just running to a crowd and killing everybody. This is an illusion that mastermind creates. So then Senator Kelly is already like, Oh wow. Fuck these mutants. They're just, they're, they're out of control with power. And you know, at this point he doesn't realize that mastermind has powers, Mm -hmm. but then Sharon is then killed later by master mold. Like not, not intentionally like master mold and rogue are fighting and, master mold goes to fight rogue and like misses or something and sharon dies instead and so at that point senator kelly is like he starts funding all these anti-mutant programs such as the mutant control act which is essentially where they're trying to which was this it was about the sentinels where they're trying to uh get the sentinels to kidnap and take or get mutants registered like by name like if you are a mutant you have to register that you're a mutant otherwise you're running away from like the law and then he also, you know, Project Over Wide Awake, which is a part of the Sentinel things, and the Sentinels hunt down all the mutants that are both registered and non-registered and throws them to concentration camps. And then, uh, during the Days of Future Past storyline, the X-Men tried to stop Mystique from assassinating him, uh, which does trigger the Sentinel dystopian universe, and, you know, they, they do stop it. They stop her from murdering, from killing him. And Senator Kelly, at that point, starts thinking about, well... Maybe I should reconsider my stance on humans versus mutants because it's obviously like more complicated than that because mutants just saved me. And then, right. and then like there's, you know, good mutants and bad mutants, right. basically. Same fucking shit that he has in this episode. Right. He's like, yeah, pretty much. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then this villain post goes to attack him, and then Pyro saves Senator Kelly. And like at this point, Senator Kelly's been saved both by the X Men and the Brotherhood, to the, and that is enough to make him be like, you know what, like, maybe I'm wrong about this. Like, maybe, like, let me question my morals and, like, my stance on things, because maybe I'm wrong, maybe I... This maybe part is very unrealistic. I don't feel like any modern-day politicians would ever... Well, he he gets he, he instead by, like, different mutants, but then... So basically, he's, like, he starts thinking that maybe he's been wrong about everything all along, and he starts mm-hmm. reconsidering and be like, okay, but the mutants are a problem, but the problem isn't that they're a mutant. The problem is that, like, they have powers that aren't controlled, and, like, is there a way we can control that and make it so like things are safe because like it's not necessarily like he basically realizes that that it's not their fault and that 
you can't right. just condemn somebody for being different but like it's but he's still willing to address but, that you know, it's a you problem still have to like worry about yeah you know making murder illegal but yeah. it's already illegal yeah yeah, yeah. So. so like he's just he's trying to figure that out and so during that time cable becomes his bodyguard which i think i mentioned before mm-hmm. and during that time he is assassinated by one of his old fo- followers uh, i got his name which is alan lewis and it's an old supporter who believed that senator kelly just abandoned all his beliefs and so well, he goes he to did sh- abandon yeah. all of his beliefs and, but yeah and he goes to shoot i have that comic book it's it's that's a really good run I'll, it's from it's right before that run that i recommended with the extreme x-men it's like right before grant morrison and chris claremont coming back and taking over the x-men and like one of the last things they did in the late 90s was have senator kelly actually be assassinated and it's like and having him be assassinated by one of his own followers is like a clever trick. Yeah, it, twist. It, 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 it's, it's good. And I definitely if you can find it, I recommend reading those. And it's like it's really when things were getting gritty again. And so that's that's the story of Senator Kelly. He's got a very short lived existence, but it's very important to the X-Men universe. And I did want to mention that in an alternate universe, Senator Kelly does become the president of the United States after the age of apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he lived. And then I also want to say that Senator Kelly did uh, appear in the first X-Men film and he's played yeah, by... Yeah, with like a totally different storyline. Right, right. Yeah. He's played by this actor, Bruce Davidson, and he is not in the Days of Future Past storyline. That whole storyline is like there in Days of Future Past where Mystique's... They're going back into the past to stop the, the Sentinel apocalypse from happening by not letting Mystique assassinate a, pro, a person of political power. But instead of Senator Kelly, it's Nixon. So... Yes. Yeah. And also Trask is still there and everything. Yeah, Trask is still there. So, well, not that Trask is in this episode, but you know what I mean. I like, do. there's still, like, the Sentinel program and shit. Right, you know what? I actually really love the Days of Future Past movie, even though it's not correct. It's, I mean, it's not, but there's interesting things that it does. I mean, we'll eventually watch it on this show. We will, now we, we will, that, we will. So we will eventually get to it. We will. But yeah, so that's Senator Kelly in a nutshell. And I think, like as I keep saying, he's important to the X-Men universe. And so if you're a newcomer to the X-Men universe... That's his deal. And he's like their main political adversary. Cool. That was like the shortest X-Men backstory segment we've ever had. I know. Yay. Yay, we did it. <laughs> Which is good because it took us a really long time to summarize this super complicated episode. Okay, but it's also going to take us a really good time to go over who's gay because I think it's just everyone. Oh my everyone. God, let's get to it. The X-Men everyone it's a massive orgy at the x-mansion and at the brotherhood apparently it's gonna be really hard for us to decide oh like, my god who i mean should we just say it's wolverine i mean and then just like list everyone he fucked like i don't <laughs> like it's just he's got like a wolverine checklist of like who he's fucked for the day like every day wolverine wakes up and he's got a little notebook that says get up like take a shower <laughs> Fuck. put like no yeah i was gonna say take a shower 
put like 10 pounds of gel on my hair to make my hair do whatever the fuck it's doing be like i'm the best at what i do and then he's got a checklist of all the x-men and that's all it says yep. and then at the end and it it's says just, like it's just their names he just sees how many of them he can do per day yeah and then at the end it's just like eat dinner drink three beers and then it's like more x-men names and it's like go to bed then like one goal x-men of the day awesome yeah wolverine lives it up he does i maintain that if bishop isn't in love with wolverine the this entire storyline makes no sense like it just they have to be fucking there's no other logical explanation for any of it yeah, I totally i'm just agree. gonna say that again because it doesn't work otherwise nope, like, it does not what is his motivation without that I think, anyway I, it's canon i think my i I can't even say like who's gayest, but I, I definitely feel like my vote. Well, we can get into all of them, but like my vote definitely goes <laughs> to like the threesome of Wolverine, yeah. Bishop and Gambit, because that is this like is the first time we might have to nominate a threesome. I, I'm into it. I love the fact that like Wolverine's like, oh, no, my boyfriends are fighting. And then also they're like they go off to play like strip poker and like it cuts away. Like it's set up so somebody could write a fan fiction about like every scene in here, especially the poker scene. because they're like oh we're gonna play poker but then it like cuts away to the other scene and then it comes back again and like they finish playing poker and like some are wearing clothes now and some aren't you know like <laughs> they're all wearing clothes listener they're in our minds they aren't but <laughs> well in the, in fan the fiction version, yeah and like well who who do you think loses in poker and has to like suck the other one's dicks first like bishop you, there's no way he's <laughs> okay, good at you're it. right you're right you're right i think like gambit, bishop has to suck everybody's dick because bishop is like not slick enough to play poker especially with gambit gambit i was gonna gambit's like it would be like wolverine and if bishop they were playing serving for gambit real, that's what it would happen yeah if they were playing for real gambit would win and then wolverine would sometimes win yeah but, but gambit would cheat and know how to like get wolverine to do what he wants him to do yeah yeah. So basically, Gambit would be the one who gets to like sit back and be pleasured after the end of that. Yeah, that's great. I want this as an actual porn. Somebody like anyway. Make it. Plus, later Cyclops gets involved oh because my God. once Bishop and Wolverine show up, Cyclops is there, being like, "What the fuck were you guys doing? <laughs> now I'm here." And Wolverine has to like pat him in the arm and be like, "I still love you too, baby." Yeah. I just was busy this afternoon. I'm sorry. Anyway, like you I'm left. back now. And then, and then also we have Pyro and Avalanche, and Pyro straight up just calls Avalanche my darling. I love them. I know they're both idiots, but I just enjoyed seeing them again, even though it was only for like two seconds. Yep. yep. And then we also have Rogue and Storm. Like throughout this mm -hmm. episode, like I don't even I know. I always enjoy that. Like they keep on like making subtle gestures at each other and saving each other in this, and I was like, and making those like half smirks at each other. I, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to go on, but I'm here for it. Me too. I'm here for what little there is. And and if we, I know that. And there's even fucking Xavier and Magneto at the end. There is. There is. I mean, he's not there, but it's like referenced. And you know, yeah. I if, I know this is the gay section, but like, it, there's there's definitely straight love going on here because there's Gene and Scott, obviously. Of course, and Rogue like, and Gambit is Rogue the and obvious Gambit one. Is like another obvious one. So like, yeah. Also, there's the weird Rogue and Jubilee moment where they're like sleeping <laughs> together underneath a tree, like cuddling, and that was weird, but. I see that as more of like a maternal thing, especially since there's like the maternal relationship later with Mystique and Rogue. You know what? That's true. You're and there's right. even a little girl that gets saved. So that's kind of like this random undercurrent in this episode. This is like a pretty interesting episode theme wise. It really anyway. was. But OK, so like I, they're all good. I mean, I can't even think of I, I, I'm stuck on the poker scene. Like that is definitely set it's up to be, be a sex scene. scene. Like we got to get we got to nominate that. But like we have many honorable mentions. We really clearly. do. We we really 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 do i can't even think about like what the fan fiction would be for like cyclops and wolverine where he's like you know after they all fight it's like 
Cyclops comes home. Everybody's just finished fucking after poker, and right. Cyclops is like, "What are you guys doing here?" And then it all just starts again. Yeah, pretty That's much. What the fan That's what it would is. be like. Except Cyclops is like the pizza boy for some reason. Cyclops is like their teacher who's mad at them for slacking off. And he's like, "All right, this is detention now. Everybody, take <laughs> off your pants." Dude, okay, but you know what else could I... <laughs> you could also... Oh get, you could get some hot Gambit on Gambit action with Mystique. Yeah, actually, yeah. I was like, what? Even during that scene, I was like, wow, this is like a lot. Like, there's two Gambits. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm into that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunities for our, our fan fiction writers to write into us and write a fan fiction, and we'll read the whole mm-hmm. thing on here. No, we won't. But I will read it. <laughs> Ryan will read it privately. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have reader mail. Yay, reader mail. All right, so it's reader mail time, and I just want to say that we're recording this, like, directly after we, like, released the last episode because we're going on vacation, and uh, I'm not going to have time to do it. So we, if you send in reader mail after, like, after you listen to the last episode and it's not read on this episode, it's only because, like, we recorded these almost back to back, essentially. Yeah, which is pretty out of character for us. Like, usually we space them out a little bit, yeah. but um, this week is a little different. Yeah, and so we do have one email that's from Ray, and it says, Hey guys, great show as always. My intro to Bishop was in the animated series, and as a kid, I thought he sucked, and I never got over it since. Least favorite <laughs> X-Men by far. I'll have to check out the Extreme Run to see if he grows on me. Can't believe I never mentioned it before, but I have two daughters, and the younger one's name is Lily Storm. Now I kind of want to meet her to meet that other person's daughter, Jubilee, because that would be such a great story. See you next yeah. time. P.S. Vulcan sucks the balls that were once attached to the Dicks and Xavier's bag, so trash them all you want. LOL. <laughs> Ray. You got you it. You are a good pal. You got it. <laughs> Ray. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I just wanted to say I feel kind of lucky that I read those Bishop comics. I mean, like, I had seen this show, but, like, not paid a lot of attention to it and mostly just gave a shit about the comics. So that's kind of good that I, like, didn't hate him. Because I feel like if I had seen this show and only seen the show, yeah. then I would also hate Bishop. Yeah, but, like, as I was saying, like, even in the comics, he's not great. And the, He's not great, the time but that- I, I feel like there, there's, like, more to him and there's, like, more justification for what he's doing. Because he, like, grew up in the Holocaust, essentially. Yeah, and I also feel like I only really got into him when he was making his appearances on Extreme X-Men and also when he did S- District X. And, like, I was really... That was the time that they brought Sage back. Like, they did the Emma Frost thing where Emma Frost was once a part of the Hellfire Club, but then gone good. And then Sage also was part of the Hellfire Club, where she was just named known as Tessa there. And then turns out she was just a spy for Xavier all that time. And, like, mm-hmm. then Tessa comes back and she's part of the x team but during that time she is so cool and like i love her team up with bishop because they kind of do like this like good cop bad cop routine and like it's just good it's it's really good and i think without tessa he doesn't work as a character because she manages to balance him out because like she's better than him it's like you know like how bishop has shard his sister yeah i was just gonna say that it's like how you were saying before where you feel like bishop works better as a character when he like has somebody else taking charge yeah if it's a cool female character then all the better right i think he just does better in like a cop partners or like whatever the hell that's called like a backup role yeah like somebody else is the commander and he's like exactly exactly even if like he's part of like a team like if somebody's in charge then he's just like the second in command it works really well for him fuck bishop otherwise (laughs) I mean, he's kind of sucks on this show. I I really can't deny that. It kind of. I guess we'll sucks. watch more episodes and we'll like see. But I, I, don't I just know. think it sucks when there's like a black character that 
and when there's like a predominantly like white cast and then like the black one of the black characters is just kind of dumb and i'm like okay no i know it's it's really (laughs) shitty i mean we like definitely talked about it last week but like it's worth reiterating that it sucks yeah pretty much i mean storm is cool but it sucks that like there are so few black characters on the show and like to have one of them be like dumb it's sad anyway thanks for the mail thank you for the mail and if anybody else wants to send us an email they can email us at the mutant ages at gmail.com and we will read your reader mail on the show as we do you can tell us anything. You can ask us questions about X Men. You could just ask you us can questions just, like, about send us, fan us. Fiction. You can ask. You can us, recommend like, us other. Why you know we keep shipping everybody. I know you could do that, but you know what? I'd actually be interested in hearing from our listeners. Is like, what's their favorite comic book run of the X Men? Because obviously, yeah. we always talk about like ours, and I always come back to certain runs. Like I always talk about Grant Morrison's new X Men, and I talk about like characters I really like and stuff like that. I would really love to hear what other characters people like and what other runs of the x-men they really like or if like they got into the x-men because of a different comic book like if they were into the avengers or something or the x-men forced them to branch out into other comics which is what happened to me or like if they yeah if they just read something else in marvel and then they were like what i'm gonna check out these x-men characters yeah i mean i i definitely read x-men when i was a kid because we like when i would go get my haircut at the barber shop because i went to a barber shop back in like in the 80s but like we went to like I mean people still go now the but it was like it was like don't. it was like an actual like old Italian barbershop and they used to have like all these comics there and they were X-Men comics and I read them and I did not understand what was happening at all I just liked Wolverine because like whenever Gene did something I literally like it, being a kid trying to understand a psychic is impossible well yeah plus like all those old comics are really confusing anyway right. like it was very dependent on reading a bunch of other issues no, you're right. like, there were all these crossovers all the fucking time in marvel back then yeah and so they they had x-men comics and batman comics and that's when it, what i read and then once when i got like older and i was like uh, in my early teens i started reading a ton of x-men and batman again and because i was reading x-men so much and how much i loved x-men i started reading like avengers and then eventually more of the dc universe and like the authority and it's so it branched out for me and i kind of wonder if that happened to anybody else yeah so basically just write in and tell ryan yeah that tell, i mean cool and we'll read it Maybe on the will. show it's a nice prompt and uh other ways that you can contact us just while we're while we're plugging plugging away but plug in <laughs> we are on twitter at the mutant ages and we're also individually on twitter i'm at Mitty myers and, and i am brian pagella surprise yeah shocking <laughs> and also we make a ton of other stuff under the auspices of Atomic Blue Productions, which is the name of our little media production company. And we've got other podcasts and a YouTube channel. We've got like videos on the channel that are about this show, yep. like X-Men clips and stuff that Ryan puts together. And they're awesome. Yeah. But we've also got other funny videos that we make, like our X-Men parody that we made when we were teenagers. And we laugh and- at it. We, we do kind of like a mystery science theater reaction to it. And you know mm-hmm. what, Maddie Knight? literally over the past 24 hours i've been talking about a bunch of other stuff that we want to make uh, including videos other podcasts and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. we definitely spent a lot of time talking about that because we're growing because we have a couple other podcasts that have started recently and we have more we want to start awesome and part of the way that we're able to do those additional shows by the way is because we have a patreon that's right people give us money and you can too and we've even gotten some new donors this month which is really cool it's really awesome and And it really a lot of those donors have donated at the five dollar level which means they get free copies of all my soundtracks pretty popular tier guys yeah and eventually i think we're gonna have some or at least you might have some private podcast episodes at that level but they're not there yet yeah we want to do that soon yeah yeah but yeah but like it's the hot new patreon back it yeah and we're we update it like all the time so check it out and like everything 
really supports us. It helps us continue to make shows. And if we want to make more, we need hosting fees and all that and better equipment because like as we grow, we have more people helping us and like gets it gets a little hefty. So, yeah, but we really appreciate the support that we've had so far and we love you guys and it's super fun and great. Yeah, I'm pumped. Like real talk, like Maddie and I have known each other for like our 20 years and like we were teenagers, we'd get together and make shit. And we're like, would it be great if we, we could make this for other than our friends? And we're actually doing that. So you guys are like helping us live a dream that we had like in, in our childhood. So that's and awesome. And you even get to go back and experience that dream with us because, like we said multiple times, we made an X Men movie <laughs> as kids, and it's like seriously really dumb and funny. So you should probably yeah, check it check out. Yeah, check it out in Topic Blue Productions on YouTube, and please give us a subscribe because I know people are watching stuff, but getting our numbers up would be really great. So please subscribe. Uh, also, uh, one last plug: you can check us out on iTunes and SignCloud, and you can follow us there and leave us reviews because reviews mm-hmm. help us and give us a subscribe. Yeah, because that's how you keep up with us. We appreciate you know it. i know people find things on itunes if there's more reviews on them so like, if you're mm-hmm. enjoying the show ratings. yeah if you just can't give it a five star or if you just want to say something like they're funny or like sometimes they're okay i you know anything's good they talk about wolverine's butt too much i mean whatever you, you can wanna, write that down you feel, i'm not you know? gonna deny that like <laughs> that's really open knowledge down. like i'm willing to take that criticism it's a constructive oh, and fair point it really is speaking of wolverine i still have the naked wolverine next to me this is a great I'm glad action you've figure. had that in this entire I time found this like at like a convention i went to at foxwoods which was a casino and they had like a convention there and i just found this box full of like figurines and there was like a wolverine this is like a legitimately like released like action figure from the 90s where wolverine's clothes are coming off and i don't know why but i like had to buy that like that was an instant buy well okay you should post a picture on your twitter i think well i posted like half of one of him standing in front of the mic earlier so you can look there or I'll just, all right. I'll just, I'll, I'll get out my professional camera. I just like, I'm taking all these like sexy pictures of Wolverine. Like, yeah, yeah. Turn it that way. Yeah, Wolverine. yeah, yeah. Put on, put on some Madonna. Boop, boop, put on, boop. put on a pop music mix. Make sure Wolverine's <laughs> in the mood yeah. for the photo shoot. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, Wolverine just thanks totally... for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you. I don't know what this show is sometimes, but it's a show for sure. <laughs> and we'll see, see you, you next time. time. Senator Kelly is dead. Oh, Senator Kelly is dead. <laughs> but now he's not. Now Wolverine's dead. Oh, that was really sad. Really sad. Don't t- don't take away my boyfriend from me. I know he cheats on Just me. Just kidding, he's fine. He has sex with like everybody else, but he's my boyfriend. Follow us at atomicblueproductions.com or support us at patreon.com/atomicblueproductions.